Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome back to The Messy Truth, Conversations on Photography. Today, I'm really excited to be chatting to Chris Maggio. Chris's work explores the humanity and humour in everyday life. His hybrid practice crosses documentary, fashion and portraiture, all laced with his signature intervention. While his work feels loose and organic, every inch of the frame is deeply considered. He's interested in challenging truth in a playful yet profound way. I'm excited to talk to him about his process, storytelling and what it takes to shoot candidly on the street. I feel like all of us have this impulse to sell ourselves in a certain way now, you know, not necessarily for profit, but just to communicate concisely. I, I mean, I feel like the whole human race has become more educated in that way. You know, the idea of encapsulating yourself in a, in a profile or a photo. Yeah. And, you know, you know, as true to your heart as your work is, there is still that impulse to do that um, as an artist. And yeah, I, I think like jumping between those worlds it's something I enjoy, but it is a little bit difficult. But I, I, I think at the end of the day, even though I do fashion and some studio stuff, I do cherish like when my stuff is labeled documentary because I feel like that work is the most fun to make. You know, it's not planned out. It's not scheduled. It's, it's the stuff that happens the most organically. The stuff that I'm happiest with, um, like in my personal work or the, the stuff that I get hired for that really resonates with me is stuff that gets to be what I would consider like something more of like subjective documentary, you, you know, like your memory of an experience that maybe has some intervention in it, mm-hmm. some stuff, some stuff that's captured organically, um, but maybe some stuff that's like revised a little bit, you know, what, maybe it's, maybe it's reperformed, maybe it's a still life that's set up um, because I feel like memory works like that. You know, it's like uh, your uncle telling you about the big fish that he caught at the lake. You know, he probably had a really successful fishing day. He probably did really well, but, there's definitely some exaggeration and some subjectivity in there. And, and I like my photos to be read as something that's a real experience, but maybe the trust is a little, maybe you're a little wary of the trust in them. Yeah, I like that. It's a really intriguing energy. I think that's what makes your work so fascinating to keep coming back to, because there's so many reads depending on where the viewer's at in that moment. Right. And I, I think there's a lot of people doing this. I, I don't think the idea of intervention in documentary invalidates it. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that now especially is a time to sort of explore that boundary and like how far we can blur it with it still being labeled 
dark. Yeah. It's a political subject. There's, it's like lots of things in photography. There's some diehard traditionalists, and then there's people who are looking to, to you know, push it forward a little bit and experiment a little bit more. It, it's a really exciting space, I think, this idea of documentary and intervention and and the role the camera plays in that is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it came from just looking at like a lot of the street work that was being made in New York, where there's obviously, you know, a ton of talented people here working in that medium specifically. But street is all about, I, I, I feel like I'm so aware of like the manipulation of the four walls of a photo's frame when I look at street, because mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden like, with flash or emitting something from the frame, you know, things become so much more dramatic, things become monstrous or beautiful. And, and yet that stuff is always sort of taken as verbatim truth in a way that I don't necessarily agree with. So I, I sort of wanted to make something that expanded that meant on that mentality a little bit. The idea of what you're seeing is real, but there's definitely some influence from the photographer in there. Yeah, it feels like you're very conscious of making sure that your presence is felt to the viewer just in terms of also the different approaches you have technically. It's like you're constantly trying to say, you know, you're constantly trying to kind of show yourself and remind them that this isn't reality or it's not all reality. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I really want to communicate that, um, that a photograph is not reality. It's just an interpretation of it. And, and I, think, I think you hit on that really well. Um, you know, the technicality of what I like to do. I, I really like people to be aware that it is a photograph, you know, and, and I think, um, <laughs> which sounds silly saying that verbatim, but I, I want people to be aware of the photographer. And I think that that means kind of embracing tropes, you know, maybe a lot of it is shot at magic hour or the, the focal length is like super shallow. The lens is super long. There's a lens flare, you, you know, stuff that people easily recognize as like photographic and not real. You know, it's not a 28 millimeter lens. It's not imitating like the human eye. It's not a 50 millimeter lens. Um, and to me, no matter what kind of genre of photography uh, my work is weaving its way through, that's always sort of the constant for me where like it always needs to feel, you always need to be very aware of it being a photo. There, there's a lot of eye contact. Um, you know, there needs to be this, yeah, there needs to be this artificiality kind of injected into it in the way. Yeah, it's really powerful. I think it's really interesting. How do you find working on the street? Kind of what's going through your mind when you're out shooting? It's both, like, I feel like the most zen and the most harrowing <laughs> like experience I think you could have. And, and, and I mean, there are people who I, I, I love that I get to orbit into that world. There are obviously people who, who live in that world permanently, especially here. Um, but going out, you know, especially like going into Midtown and, and being in Manhattan, it really does feel Zen because it's that kind of like alone together mentality, you, you know, being, being in public and that kind of volume of people, it's both like intensely public and vulnerable, but also kind of intensely private in a way, because it's this weird, it's this weird phenomenon where you're amongst so many people that you're almost like, well, well, no one's paying attention to me. I, I can do whatever I want. Um, and, and I feel like that's, you, you know, I just trying to like kind of reciprocate that. That's also what I'm looking for when I go out. It's like the idea of people who are just, you know, in the blinding light of day, but are just having these weird, quiet moments with one another. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's weirdly revealing. There's like only one place that happens and it's just in a busy metropolitan area. Do you find that people can be quite sensitive when you're photographing them? 
have you had to navigate any exchanges along that? Definitely. I mean, I think there's the sensitivity of the sh- the subject and also like the audience's sensitivity to, you know, the, the, the permission or lack of permission in capturing street photography, because obviously capturing people unaware is what it kind of it's contingent on. You know, that's that's the magic of it. And yeah, I mean, you know, th- there's a lot of times where it happens and no one knows. And, and that obviously feels a little complicated in the aftermath if the work gets published. But yeah, I mean, interacting with people, I, I, it's sort of, I want to say it's 50-50, but I almost say it's, I want to say like the majority of people are cool with it if you can explain yourself. I mean, I think people can sense intent. You know, it, it, if, you're, if you're doing it maliciously, if, if your goal is to just point your finger at somebody and make fun of them, you know, I, I feel like people can read that. Maybe I'm just a bad liar. Um, but I, but when I do speak to people about the images and I'm capturing a public of them, if that opportunity arises, you know, I try to be as honest as I can. Sometimes it's difficult to explain, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, sometimes you might see like a metaphor in their body language or, you know, the, the mise-en-scene of what's happening. And it's difficult to say like, oh, well, you know, you were perfectly in the light and, you know, it just kind of speaks to this theme of blah, blah, blah. Um, so I don't know, it, it, it kind of oscillates. I think, um, I think the goal is to be as transparent as possible, but there's not always that opportunity. And I wanted to talk a little bit about humor because that is a kind of gateway into your work. It feels like it's tied to your kind of personal viewpoint of the of the world. And I wondered if you kind of think of your work as autobiographical in any kind of way. Uh, definitely. I, I mean, I think <clears throat> I think that has a large part to do with, um, especially the street stuff and intent. I, I really wouldn't make work that I didn't feel some kind of autobiographical tie to, especially in New York. Like I was saying, the theme of being kind of like alone together, the kind of the kind of like intense loneliness that can kind of come with the anonymity of being in a city this big. Um, I feel like that's like an easy baseline read on anything, but um, on anything that's made here. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, especially with personal work, like I just I try to find imagery that articulates something to me personally. And I feel like when that resonates with someone, that's the ultimate accomplishment. You know, if, if I can if I can articulate about something about myself without showing myself, you know, that that feels like a pretty big um, that feels like a pretty big artistic accomplishment to me or, or I'm I have a good grasp of like the filmic language if uh, if I can do that. When I look at your work, it feels like on the surface, you know, you're having fun. There's a lot of energy there, but actually, when you spend time with it, there's it's a very kind of intimate examination of modern life with like the chaos and this like sense of intensity, like super dialed up to the max. <laughs> no, I, I'm glad it comes off that way. I mean, I mean, like it, yeah, I, the, the, on the surface level, it. It is funny. I, I mean, and, and I think maybe that comes with, um, or it should be read as funny. And I think that maybe comes with like, maybe born from an early insecurity in making art because making something humorous, there's, there's a verbal validation from that when people see your work. If you're in a gallery or a movie theater and you hear people laughing at your work and it's supposed to be funny, that's immediately validating as opposed to making something that's you know, out of the gate, it's dramatic and tragic. And I, I don't know, like the read on it isn't as visceral and you don't get that kind of feedback immediately. I don't know, we live in this landscape now where where our role in society, especially in the Western world, it, it's supposed to be so democratic. You, you know, we're, we're told that we have this kind of, we have this voice and everything, you know, it's, it's such an egalitarian world, you know, whether that's like input on a social media app or, or democracy at large. 
and in a way that all just feels like it, it, it to me, it kind of feels like artificial. Yeah. You know, it, it feels like this kind of false promise, you know, you know, as much as like our work is being spread or, or our emotions are being transmitted on these apps and stuff like that on the phone, you know, it's, it's all just a product in the end. I'm just a consumer. And I think for me, I don't know, there's this weird like isolation that comes with this. Like I, I, I feel like kind of expendable in a way, especially like growing up outside of the city in a vanilla suburb. Yeah, there's this kind of loneliness that I feel like I'm always kind of navigating a little bit. Um, and like I said, it just keeps coming kind of full circle to like being in the city, being in this like huge population and kind of thinking like, well, what what is my purpose here? You know, what what, what am I doing? And I, and, and, and I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's just like a very ambiguous feeling. It's kind of hard to tap down. And for me, like, I don't know, like a lot of the portraits that I shoot, I'm just sort of kind of trying to channel that energy. It sounds like it's kind of a therapy for you, but it also as a viewer feels like a therapy for me. That's one of the things that really resonates for me about your work, especially I think now, as I said, like what's going on in the world, there's like a real chaos and like confusion. And I feel like we're so conflicted and hopeful one minute and like terrified the next. It's, I think especially your project, The Hot as Hell in Midtown, for me, that is like, that just feels like my emotional psyche at the moment. <laughs> I think everybody's psyche is like turned up to 11 at the moment. And yeah. and I just feel like, I feel like it's all this panic, but this kind of like helplessness, you know, like I feel like, a, I feel like a giant baby or something, you know, <laughs> it's just like, I'm all riled up. I'm like sort of informed. Emotions are running high. It feels very visceral. But at the same time, yeah, I don't know. I just feel very helpless. I feel like, you know, the, these kind of these broad strokes that are happening in the world, they're kind of beyond my control. And I don't mean that in a way of like sitting out trying to trying to help. It just feels very, you know, confusing and overwhelming. You know, I, I feel like everybody feels like that. Yeah. Does, does photography help kind of soothe that for you? I think it definitely helps. It, it kind of puts my brain in not more of like a neutral gear, but it, it doesn't feel like it's when I'm out shooting, I don't feel like I'm driving towards something. I'm, I'm like marching towards something. It really feels like, I don't know, like, like more ambient, like I'm free to move around. It, it really does feel therapeutic in this way. You know, I feel like I'll walk two miles in Manhattan and like I won't even realize until I'm there. You know, you know it just it really like allows me to drift. And I feel like especially juggling personal and professional work, doing commercial and editorial, um, I just feel like that time it becomes something that like you really cherish, you know, to have that time when you're making work, you're working within your medium and your mind is like able to drift. And for me, that sweet spot is really just like walking around New York. It's really kind of, uh, it's like lying on the, you know, on the therapist couch. It, it's really like, it's really that moment where I can just like release and relax and hopefully I'll get something good. But if not, you know, and, you know, at least it's just this, like this, this moment of Zen. How did that project come about, Hot as Hell? I think it was just, it was at this weird point where I was like starting to, I was starting to take photo more seriously. And I, I was making a column for Vice initially, which I feel like is, is where so many of us in New York start out. It, it, it was a cooking column that was basically about like men making meals for the holidays. And it was all this like these studio shoots, just like single flash on camera, you know, like white background, like super crude. Uh, with, with these like gross dishes that was always like the punchline and it was just at this point where I'd been doing it for a year and it was like the very first thing that I was asked to do you know as a photographer like you know the from the heavens came an assignment yeah. um, and I was asked to do this stuff and it was amazing but it was also at this point where I'm just like well I'm kind of tired being in this world where I'm I'm creating everything you know like studio work it feels so like constricting 
I, I have complete control over the lighting. Like I'm casting somebody to be in this. I'm making all the props. I just felt like I needed something that was just beyond my control. And I just felt like kind of aimless in that way. And, and of course, like New York is an amazing canvas to work with. So I don't know. I mean, it was just super straightforward, like started in the summer. And I just took one photo of this guy who was like super sunburned in Times Square. And it was just like dead on, like the eye contact was perfect. And it just felt like so visceral to me in this way that a photo that I had made, like hadn't made me feel before. And I was just like, well, if I, if I could do this again, like maybe this is kind of the direction that I should be going. Like maybe this is like, maybe this is like really my calling and just kind of went out every single day that summer was like, you know, severely underemployed and just kind of kept trying to collect those images until it started to feel like a narrative. And, you know, that kind of like set me on the track. Such a strong project. I love it. I feel like it's really operating on many different levels and many different realities in some ways. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, like it's, it was just sort of like an easy starting point. I mean, um, it's definitely one of my favorite things too, but, um, yeah, it just felt like, it felt like an easy thing that it, it, it felt like super universal, you know, like the heat in New York is, mm. is like a very, a very universal, uh, nuisance. You know, there's like a particular like humidity that occurs between like 34th street and 42nd, you know, it feels like there's just like a cloud hanging over Broadway. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just felt like an easy entry point. And, and also like getting comfortable with like shooting strangers. It felt like it didn't feel like something that was making fun. It felt like something that was, you know, I looked just as bad as I was out shooting it. That's why I put a self-portrait in the end of it. Yeah. Um, just because it's like, you know, navigating the comfort of shooting others without their consent is, it, it can be kind of a long road. And it just felt like, it felt like a good first step in that regard. Is it quite an emotionally charged experience for you to sort of navigate that, to navigate shooting strangers? Not so much when I'm out shooting them. I mean, it, feel, it feels emotional, even if that emotion can't be pinned down you know, shooting a stranger, um, just because like, if you see something interesting, you end up following people and you end up waiting for people. Um, it's more so once you've made the images and, and you're explaining it on a podcast or, <laughs> or like discuss, discussing it, especially people who aren't in the photo world, discussing your work with them. And, and they're saying, well, well, how can you do that? That's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how would you feel if someone did that to you? Um, it's it's kind of a hard question to answer. It's just like, I just know it's something, I, I, like, I don't know if I have a good answer for it. It's just something I feel like I have to do because it feels like the most powerful thing to me, you know, to catch someone unaware, to catch someone in like an organic moment. I mean, if you do it correctly and it's able to transmit meaning to the viewer, I mean, I feel like there's no, there's really no greater thrill to me than that. It's such an irony, this private public persona we have because these people are out in the street. They're presenting as they are, to the world kind of in their wholeness but at the same time I, I you know obviously I can understand that people are sensitive about being shot but nowadays we're giving away so much of ourselves through the use of like apps and like data mining and all of that stuff it's just so ironic that we're still very concerned with this very literal interpretation of somebody taking something from us whereas we're actually just giving away most of our identity you know, all the time by just operating in the modern digital world. No, it, it, it's true. But but I and, and I agree with you, of course. But I think like that kind of information that we're giving away, you know, these little parcels, parcels of information here and there, you know, our, our geotags and everything, you know, it doesn't feel tangible to someone. It, mm-hmm. it, it hardly feels tangible to me. You know, I, I watched like Citizen Four, last, you know, like last year. Um, like the Edward Snowden documentary. And he's like, you know, spelling out the whole like NSA thing over and over in more detail than I've ever heard it. 
And I kind of turned it off and I just like went on my phone, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> you know, like oh, I need some, like, I need like another scrub daddy from Amazon. Okay. I'll just like order it. Um, you, you know, and, and, and even like, like yourself, like thinking about this public private thing all the time, it just washes over me, but, but an image is super tangible to people. And I think now, especially people are terrified kind of, kind of ironically enough as to where that's going to end up. Mm. You, you know, it's hard for people to understand, like, why would you want to take a photo of me? I, I'm just a person. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, and even if you're explaining it to them verbatim, it's just like, it, it, it's understandably so jarring, you know, and it, it's difficult when people are upset about it, you know, that's not the goal, you know, it, it's the opposite of that, but there's sort of no, there's no way to talk people down sometimes. It's just like such a foreign idea to them. And you just have to be ready to be confronted about it and defend yourself with reasoning that's as true to the heart as possible. Because I do think I do think that some people that work in that way are kind of. Uh, I think that some people are malicious. Yeah, you know, you know and yeah, and, and 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 you know, like it's not for me to say who is and who is not doing it correctly. But I just think if you're going to go out and do it, you better have a good defense, and you better be making work that I don't know that that isn't you know, again that isn't pointing the finger at people. That, yeah. that isn't throwing people under the bus. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, you get in arguments with people. I was spit on the other day. <laughs> and, and, and I was just like, I don't know. You're going to let the bad come with the good. Yeah. You have to take responsibility, as you said. It's like, it's your work, it's your vision, it's your output. So therefore, you need to be accountable for who you're shooting to an extent, for sure. You do have to be accountable. It's just hard to have the through line of that accountability with everything. And, and, you know, you do, you do have to be comfortable with saying, yeah, I'm going to photograph this person. I think the intent is right. I think this is, this, this is for like a higher purpose. Um, but this person may not ever see this photo, you know, this photo, this photo might be in a magazine. They might not see it. You know, I would love for everything to be tied up full circle. Everybody's having a good time, but sometimes it's just not like that. It's just a, it's just a difficult thing. This is the kind of dark, but the uncomfortable reality is that photographers don't even have full control over their images anymore. So, you know, you can have the most proactive, positive intentions with your work and making sure that it's only seen in the context you want it to be seen. But the digital world has dismantled our power over that to some to some degree. So it is. Yeah, it is, it's a really tricky, blurred, messed up line that we're kind of trying to navigate. It, it is a messed up line. I have some, some, some early work that I used to make, um, some of this early studio stuff that I was doing for Vice. Like it, 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 was, it was supposed to be comedic. It was like all these men in the kitchen, kind of like all thumbs making these meals. Um, and my dad and some of his friends were in a lot of the work. And strangely enough, like, you know, I don't know, you know, for whatever powers that be on the internet, a lot of that work has been like separated from its original context and has found itself like in the meme world. Mm. Um, so I see like memes with my dad in them once in a while, like, you know, like text that was like not intended whatsoever, like put over these pictures and that just feels like my closest thing to it. You know, it, it, it's yeah. like, it is upsetting, but at the same time, it's also meaningless. You know, it, it's really yeah. jarring to see that we, we obviously had to like talk about it when it first happened. Yeah, <laughs> it's I really, it, yeah, it's really difficult to like talk to your dad about like cyberbullying, like. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, um, but um, yeah, and it, and it's upsetting, but at the same time, it's just like, it's also up to the audience who are consuming this stuff to kind of do the math in their head as well. Where it's like, especially now, you know, 
photos are incredibly communicable. You know, they get proliferated in, in any which way, up, down, sideways. And, um, you know, if you see the stuff, you have to think about, like, where did this come from? Was this the intent of the photographer? Does this have anything to do with the person who created it? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's as fascinating as it is scary. Very true. Yeah. Anyway, tangent. <laughs> What's the genesis of um, the new age of new age? Because I love that project. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, it was just asked for, I, I mean, I should say like the most fun I have, I, I love doing personal work, but I also do love just being thrown an assignment that it sometimes maybe seems like a little incongruous or something. You know, I, I really like love rising to the occasion of an assignment that feels like a little ill-fitting. Um, and that was just like a, this cannabis magazine called Gossamer. You know, you know it, it's it's a great magazine. You know, it's kind of part of this newer crop of like, you know, kind of like weed lifestyle <laughs> like mags. Um, and they just wanted to do something on Sedona, the kind of like weird... Uh, I don't know, like slightly hypocritical, kind of like capitalist hippie industry there. Um, have you ever been there at all? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, my God. Um, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You, you'll be in like the whole, yeah, of course, there's a the Whole Foods there. Um, you, you'll be in the parking lot and there will be like a minivan or like I should say it's probably like a Jeep with like a Trump bumper sticker next to, you know, a minivan with like a coexist sticker on it or like a namaste um it, it's really like a place that has like a very strange identity crisis and so it's just sort of sent out there cold and uh like a lot I, I mean like sort of had carte blanche which is always like a blessing and a curse so just tried to reach out to as many like healers and shamans and you know crystal vendors as i could and um just kind of like traveled around for for a few days meeting them it's a great project i really yeah i really love it no, thanks. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. It feels like you've spent the last couple of years now really shooting a lot of editorial and kind of establishing yourself in that part of the market and also across a real wide range of um, publications, which I think is quite interesting for your aesthetic because it's quite particular. And I'm curious how you kind of find working within the constraints of, say, you know, jumping between like the New York Times to Vogue to to smaller mags like the one you just mentioned. Um, I, I mean, I kind of like it a lot. I mean, the 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 publication itself doesn't really tend to dictate the work. I, I, I mean, a little bit. I mean, I feel like obviously like with the Times, there can't be as much like intervention. You, you know, like the Times really has to be like verbatim, verbatim truth. You know, there's no you can't really set up a still life without it being called like a photo illustration, you, yeah. you know, it, where, whereas in personal work, I like that stuff to kind of blend into one another, but I don't know. I, I like it. I mean, like, like I was saying, I mean, I think my favorite thing is to be given a prompt and then to just like work with it. You know, I mean, I, I think the times has been great. I feel like the, the style section has been like a really unique opportunity to kind of, I, I, I don't know, like the, it, it's very laissez-faire. I, I, I've been lucky. They've all been opportunities to kind of like let my mind wander, but just with a deadline. I, I just because I I feel like especially with personal work like not having a deadline it's just this endless K hole of just uh, <laughs> of just like spinning out of control. Yeah. Um, but I think like doing the doc stuff between editorial publications has been relatively easy. I think it's more so wearing both the hats of doing editorial doc and fashion that's a little harder to navigate. I feel like that's what I'm always asking people about, like how they do that, how they find the balance, mm. you know, what parts of themselves they apply to which like medium, because I feel like there are people who are so fluid between both. But my biggest hurdle, I think, has been finding like a consistent voice between the two. 
Um, I, I think that's like one of the main challenges of my career that I've faced. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, they're diff- fashion is always just kind of this odd yet super exciting space to try and navigate. Kind of everybody wants in, but then once you're in, y- yeah, there's a bit of like soul searching to kind of figure out where your fit is. Yeah, and and and, and I've been lucky. I mean, everybody I've worked with in that world has been incredible, and and I've actually been. It's been very hands off. It's been very laissez faire. I've been given a lot of freedom, but it's just a little more difficult. And it's, it's a good challenge. I mean, I think it's a necessary challenge. Um, but it's a little more difficult because I just thrive so much on like bumping into things and just being inspired of like, like having like a week or two on an editorial project um, to kind of just like find myself and to kind of like find those anchors in the story. You know, that, that's sort of my ideal when putting a piece together. Whereas, you know, with a fashion story, you know, we'll have a day or two or maybe three to kind of, we're just trying to like tick off a few more boxes. Yeah. You know, we're really just trying to accomplish something, which is important. You know, that that's a, that's part of the medium. Um, but it just feels a little, I'm still trying to find a way to make that feel a little more organic to me. I, I think I'm getting better at it, but it's just been a bit of a learning curve. Do you ever get asked to tone it down for assignment? <laughs> a little bit. I, I, I was doing something for the times earlier this year and they're just like, we're just like, we know you like it a lot, but like, please don't use a star filter on this. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you're, you're right. You know, like 2018 was the year of the star filter. Like I see a lot of people using it. I see like a lot of people using it, you know, it's become yeah. like cross-continental. And I was just like, yeah, you're, you're, you're totally right. Um, I, I mean, it's little stuff like that. I feel like sometimes that kind of happens in the edit. You yeah. know, I, I feel, I feel like editors, you know, and probably yourself too, when you're giving direction, you know, like, you don't always want to give that kind of constraint out of the gate, but yeah. just in the edit, you know, like some dreams are kind of crushed on the photographer's end sometimes. It's like, <laughs> oh, this could have been so much weirder, you know. Um, I was going to say, how do you navigate those kind of inevitable bad feedback, bad edits? <laughs> um, well, I don't know. I feel like a lot of, I feel like I, I still hold on to sort of some of my strategy of being a film editor. Like, like I, I think when I present stuff to editors, like I hope my edits are strong. I think they're edi- my edits are strong. Um, and I always try to like, you know, place things in a way that, you know, that try to like steer the person who's making selects a little bit. Um, so I, so I feel like I try to be prepared when I'm submitting stuff for the first round and try to like, you know, show the narrative as best as I can. And then, yeah, feedback comes back and it's not that good. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, you're maybe on the other side of it more than I am. You know, it's just like, I just try to sell it as best as I can. It's just like, oh, that's the whole point of it. You know, like what this yeah. image needs to be in there. That's like the key that unlocks the story. Yeah. But then again, you know, there's been times where I've kind of tried to go to bat for some of these ideas. And then I see the edit that's against, you know, I guess what my wishes were or whatever. And it's it's so much better. I, I mean, like a, a photo editor, like a good photo editor, you know, they really like pull magic out of a, out of a photographer. You know, yeah. it's the it's this like objective viewpoint that's so impossible to have. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some soul crushing moments, but yeah, you just have to be aware of that subjectivity that's kind of infecting it. Yeah. You're not crying into your pillow too much. <laughs> I'm not crying into my pillow. I'm probably like whining for the day, you know, like, you <laughs> know, people who are around me are probably annoyed, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. There hasn't been anything that, that bad yet. I mean, like, you know, I feel like as you get into like commercial stuff, it becomes a little harder but again, I think that just becomes, again, part of the learning curve. You know, if you're making something commercial, it's not always going to be your authorship is is severely is going to be severely eroded, and that's just the way it goes. 
I mean, my my sort of mantra to photographers is like, don't think about commercial work as your work. Like it's it's soul destroying, but commercial work is about making money, funding your life and putting it back into work that makes you happy and brings you solace. Uh, totally. And I, and I don't think it's without its legitimate benefits either, you know, aside from <clears throat> fueling personal work and stuff like that. I mean, to accomplish, you know, I, I mean, like the pre-production for commercial stuff is, is, you know, it's always longer and more involved and there's a lot more voices in it. And I think being able to negotiate that really like fortifies your armor, you know, when it comes to doing editorial stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, looking at it as like not your work is is important. But, you know, I, I you know, I want at least like a, a whisper of me to be in there. Yeah. Um, but there are sometimes like. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's more tools in your toolbox, right? It's definitely something that's great to do. But I think it's just I feel like I'm being a real downer, but I'm just like I think it's like you can't have it all. And if you do get that incredible commercial job that where they want you to really be you, I, then I think that's like the ultimate win in commercial world. Absolutely. To have like any of your voice in in something commercial, I think is a huge accomplishment. And um, and I think it is like very much about discipline. You know, I, I, I really started, I got hurled into the world of photo, you know, like so willy nilly, you know, didn't, didn't go to school for it, didn't know anybody in it. Um, and I think, um, I don't know, that discipline is something that you gain over time. It's really the only thing that you gain from experience. It's the main thing you gain from experience. Sure, yeah. Um, and the commercial stuff is like really, it's kind of the, uh, it's the steepest curve. How do you manage the pressure to kind of keep producing? I do. I mean, especially, I don't know, I feel like a lot of things I'm saying aren't too, um, too much of a revelation. But I mean, I do think like the social media stuff is like this weird weight um, that at least that at least I feel, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of the momentum that I've had for editorial has like come from Instagram and, and stuff like that. I, I wish that wasn't the case, but I have to like chalk it up to some of that. Um, and I do feel like there is a pressure to produce, you know, at least for that audience and for, for editors who I've never met, who are just kind of like watching, you know, on that medium. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like, like I was saying earlier, I, I really feel like at this, this junction now where it's like, I, I really feel like I have been producing like content in a way, you know, stuff that I'm proud of, but I feel like I have to like meet these kind of these like invisible deadlines every month to make work. And, and I, and I really do feel like the impulse to slow down now, um, you know, the, the way of dealing with it so far has just been just sort of barreling through and, and, and really just like putting the career first. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point, I mean, I feel like a lot of people would feel like this. It's just like, you sort of, you see, your life sort of needs to catch up because I mean, in the end, like the work just needs to reflect who you are as a human being. And if you're just working too much, it just starts to feel like a little empty. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't mean that in like some profoundly dark way. Like I'm, I'm a very happy person, but it, it's just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just about taking the time to, to just like live life a little bit. Do you feel like you're conscious of having your own sort of tangible audience on social media? Because it's, I think it's a kind of exciting time that photographers kind of ha it's a tangible way of having like a cultivated audience that are, that are kind of outwardly saying I'm excited about what you're doing that's quite a powerful thing but obviously it comes with a lot of other pressures as well like we've been talking about 
Yeah, no, I mean, I think the good outweighs the bad by far. I mean, the idea of communicating with people who are actively cheering you on or critiquing your work. I mean, like, I, I don't even understand how this industry worked before that. You know, it, 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 it's created like, you know, there's been such a proliferation of photography. There's so many more, so many more of us working, um, or at least I'm, I feel like aware of many more people. Um, but I, I think it's important. And also to like, to kind of going back to what we were saying before, even to see your work ripped out of its context and kind of shared in a way that you never really envisioned it being, it, it, you know, that's sort of like the most exciting thing. Yeah. You know, to to see that like align with somebody's day, you know, to say like to see a meme with your picture in it. This is like that feeling when blah, blah, blah. And it's like your image. You know, at first, I, I feel like some people are upset that their credit is stripped from it. But honestly, to be part of the fabric of somebody else's life like that, even if it's just for, you know, a day that it's up on a story. I feel like it's this like really weirdly unprecedented accomplishment. You know, it, it's it's very it's very fleeting. It might be a little immature. But I still think it's kind of it's kind of thrilling, and I, I, it, it is a great motivator. Yeah, I mean, it's proving that the work's doing the work in some ways, right? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Especially if it's like thrown around casually, you know, you know, it doesn't need to be in the list. Like, here are my top ten favorite photos I saw on Instagram this month, just to see it like thrown in with people out partying or like thrown in with people visiting their family. Yeah, you know, just like so, like being shared and like sewn into somebody else's life. I feel like that's the coolest thing. It means that your language is transmitting something to them. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was so good to talk to you. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to The Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at gemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. 
ACAST.com. <laughs>